The Lessons Learned for Vets podcast is proud to be brought to you by AFMA, the American Armed Forces Mutual Aid Association. Established in 1879, they are the longest standing nonprofit association empowering military families with affordable financial solutions for generations. Offering life insurance, wealth management, mortgages, survivor assistance, and other benefits, AFMA is here to support you through every stage of life. AFMA is dedicated to helping service members be financially and logistically ready for life after the military. To support you in this process, AFMA would like to offer you their free downloadable transition timeline, a step-by-step guide to help you create a comprehensive military transition plan. Let AFMA help you get ready for your next step by visiting afma.com backslash LL4V. That's A-A-F-M-A-A.com slash LL, the number four, V or clicking the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, your military transition debrief from the veteran mentors who've gone before you. My name is Lori Norris, and I've been teaching veterans how to successfully navigate their military transition since 2005. I'm a civilian who speaks the language of all branches of the U.S. military, and I'm on a mission to educate veterans in the job search marketing process. This podcast shares the military transition hot washes and after action reports of your fellow veterans to smooth your own path out of the military. The certifications added some legitimacy to my resume. Um, I'm not just a signal officer that did some cyber stuff, but I actually have proven and validated it from a third party. And I think that got me in the door. I know I know on my interview with Coal Fire, where I first started, when I got out, they were like, you know, we're glad you have all these certs because we don't have anybody on the team with any of these certs. So this is going to be helpful for us. So I do think it, you know, it doesn't guarantee you a job, but it does make your resume, especially if you're transitioning out of the military, it makes your resume stand very strong. So uh, I tell people all the time, like getting a few certs really changed my life. It it also, aside from the career aspect, it showed me what I didn't want to do. Uh, so I thought I wanted to do some kind of network security stuff. And I went and got these, all these Cisco certs. And then I realized I do not want to do that at all. Like I'm, I'm okay off of networking, but I wouldn't have known that unless I did those certs and actually went through it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, student search was really impactful. On today's episode of the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, I am so excited to welcome AJ Yan. AJ has had quite the career at a relatively young age. So from Division I college athlete to U.S. Army officer to cybersecurity company founder, and now a partner at a top 20 CPA firm, Armanino. While it may sound like a storybook career path, AJ is here to tell you that it has not been without a few devastating obstacles. There is a reason that AJ has been recognized as a top LinkedIn voice in regards to mental health. And he's joining us today to talk about the importance of taking care of your mental health so that you can face whatever obstacles come your way and what he's learned from being a startup founder and how he landed a role as a partner in an accounting firm and business consulting firm, despite that not being in his background. So we've been talking about doing this for a while now, AJ. So I'm so glad that you're here today. Yeah, I'm so excited. I um, I, I know we've been talking about it for a while and I love what you're doing and, and what this podcast means for veterans and um, appreciate the chance for me to tell my story. Well, you've been a little busy. You know, you had a couple of things going on. So I'm glad we finally made made time for it. So let's just start it with your transition like we always do, right? So you told me 
that you you took a very proactive approach to your transition because your dad gave you some good advice. Your dad was a Marine, retired Marine, right? And yep. so tell, tell us about your transition, how that went, and kind of give us your dad's advice that he gave to you. Yeah, I decided um, late 2015 that I was I was at Captain's Career Course, and I was just like, yeah, I don't think I want to do this anymore. My my son, my first child was my, this was my son was on the way, and I was just like, yeah, I don't want to deploy. I want to be here. Um, uh, I don't want to deploy anymore. So I told my dad the first person I called was like, hey, I'm going to get out, and he was like, cool. Um, you know, I always told you to have an exit plan. I didn't think you were going to do 20 like me. He was like, but you need 18 months to actually transition effectively, and I was like come on, come on, pops. Like I got a master's. I'm a captain in the army. I'm going to be fine. I can get a job tomorrow. He's like, cool, go, go apply to a few jobs right now and see. Um, and I did. And no one emailed me back. No one even called me back. <laughs> um, I didn't even really know how to, what to put on my resume. So I called him back was like, yeah, you're right. Uh, I need more time. So that advice was probably the most impactful advice I've had um, uh, that led me to where I'm at today because I sat down all of 2016 and just focused on getting certifications, networking, making sure that I could translate my military skills to the civilian sector in a manner that people understood. And I think that's the biggest challenge with veterans. They're doing great work. You have amazing experience. You have leadership experience, but it's very tough to translate that from an NCOER to a resume uh, or an OER to a resume. So having my dad kind of walk me through that and say, hey, you got to you know, wipe away Captain Yon and become AJ Yon uh, and become an individual and really make your resume strong. And that's what I did. I worked very hard. I think I got 11 certs in, in 2016. I was just only thing I would do all day, every day was study. Um, and it paid off. I was able to land a really good job coming out of the, the military and, and kick off my civilian cybersecurity career. Do you think like that was the biggest difference in your, you know, your resume that you're sending out when you first started and your resume when you actually got out? Was it the addition of the certifications? Were there other changes that you made that you feel like made it more successful? Yeah, I think, you know, general changes of just stop not using acronyms, uh, not using terms that civilians won't understand, but the certifications added some legitimacy to my resume. Um, I'm not just a signal officer that did some cyber stuff, but I actually have proven and validated it from a third party. And I think that got me in the door. I know, I know on my interview with Coal Fire, where I first started, when I got out, they were like, you know, we're glad you have all these certs because we don't have anybody on the team with any of these certs. So this is going to be helpful for us. So I do think it, you know, it doesn't guarantee you a job, but it does make your resume, especially if you're transitioning out of the military, it makes your resume stand very strong. So uh, I tell people all the time, like getting a few certs really changed my life. It, it also, aside from the career aspect, it showed me what I didn't want to do. Uh, so I thought I wanted to do some kind of network security stuff. And I went and got these all these Cisco certs. And then I realized I do not want to do that at all. Like I'm I'm OK off of networking, but I wouldn't have known that unless I did those certs and actually went through it. So, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's getting the search was really impactful. And I think that really applies to, you know, you're obviously in the cybersecurity career field. But I think, you know, HR, let's just say human resources. I think, you know, you're transitioning in from army human resources to private sector HR, it's different. Like there are a lot of crossover skills, but it's different. And going and getting a PHR or an APHR certification just helps you fill in those knowledge gaps and then also helps you learn to speak that new language. And And maybe you'll find that like HR in the private sector is different and you want to maybe focus in on a certain area. So I think that's great advice. And I think it's, you know, no matter who's listening, no matter what career field you're in, 
maybe just go out and research. Are there some industry certifications or education that you can pursue that will just make you more marketable? And if you're doing it in that last year of active duty, chances are it's going to get paid for in some way. Exactly. Um, Right. And I'm sure all those, you said 11 certs you added. Oh my gosh. I don't know how you did that, but were those all paid for? Well, were they mainly paid for by the military? 100% were taken care of, uh, especially I was, I was at the signal school in Fort Gordon. So they, they had sponsorships for all those certs. And I think what you said there is very wise about going out and seeing what certs are useful for you. And one of the things that I did is I, the way that I chose what certs to work on, I would look at job postings of jobs I thought I wanted, and I would go see what are the qualifications. And I would see the same certs over and over and over again. I'm like, all right, well, obviously I should get that one because it's on all of these job postings. And I just kept doing that. I kept trying to find the job I wanted, and I would look at my resume and look at what they're saying from the qualifications. It's like, how can I make my resume get closer to that so that they want to bring me on? Yeah, I love that strategic approach to it. And I think that starting, you know, people don't really think like, oh, I should look at job postings today. I'm, you know, two two years out, 18 months out. But yes, that's how you start to look at where are my knowledge gaps? Yeah. Where can I improve my marketability? Um, and so I think that's that's a really great strategic advice. I really like that. Yeah. Um, we talked about, you know, you've had some obstacles, right? <laughs> and so just even... Um, what led you to commission as an officer in the army came from one of those obstacles, right? So like, tell us a little bit about like kind of what led you to commission in the army and, and just, you know, how important that has been to your success. Yeah. So I, I grew up in Southern California on Camp Pendleton. Um, uh, my dad, obviously, like we mentioned, is a Marine. Um, and I always had a, my, my family's from Florida. I live in Miami now. Uh, my mom and dad are from Miami and I always had a dream of going to school in Florida. I always wanted to play sports at, at Florida State University. And I was fortunate enough to get recruited to play basketball there. Um, However, when I got to Florida State, my ankles had other ideas. Uh, so I broke my left ankle and then recovered, rehabbed. And the day I got cleared, I broke my right ankle. Uh, and I was like, you know, maybe basketball is just not in the cards for me. You know, maybe basketball, I, I, I should do something else. Um, and But I knew I did not want to go back home. I did not want to go back to California. But mom and dad couldn't afford out-of-state tuition. Uh, so they were like, it's fine. You know, we know things happen. Come back home. Um, come back home. You can go to school here. You can get in-state tuition at X, Y, and Z. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to finish the job. I'm going to continue and I'm going to get this degree from Florida State like I've always dreamed of. My mom actually had a full ride to Florida State. She was a valedictorian of her class here in, in Miami, but she had two kids. Um, and my, uh, my dad joined the Marine Corps, so she didn't get to go to uh, Florida State. So I really had a passion about wanting to finish the job there and get it done. Uh, so I joined the military. Um, I was like, you know, my dad's a Marine. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Sports had been my only identity my entire life. Um, and I was like, you know what? I can do this. And my dad gave me a lot of great advice about becoming an officer, ROTC and, and all that good stuff. And, you know, I tell people all the time, like, I, I definitely would pre- would have preferred not to break my ankles. Um, that would have been nice because it does hurt. Um, and surgery doesn't feel great. Uh, but I am so glad I joined the army. Uh, I'm so glad I became an officer in the army. The, uh, the lessons that I learned going from being a, um, division one college basketball player at the highest levels to, um, uh, being a commissioned officer responsible for 23 soldiers and then deploying three months later after that is, is crazy. You don't get that type of experience or learning anywhere else. 
uh, and uh, it changed me. It transformed me as a person. It transformed me as a leader. It helped me grow up a lot faster. Um, it helped me put in perspective things. Allowed me to travel. Um, and I think you know, being in the military is uh, was was one of the greatest things that I could have ever done. Um, I don't know where I would be without those six years that I served on active duty and the relationships I built, the experiences that I had. So it was, it was an amazing decision. And and like you said, it, it, it spurred out of something bad happening, um, but it, it turned out for the best. And I'm, and I'm glad it, you know, I'm glad that it happened. A couple of weeks ago, I had Ken Davenport on the show and, um, and I actually just wrote a post about it. It was uh, a concept from stoicism called Amor Fati, which is, you know, basically just like love your fate and like look at, okay, so what happened happened, right? But like think about what positives came out of it. Think about what you learned from it. Um, so really think about kind of the difference that it made for you. And I, I really feel like that really changed your life, didn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And Amor Fati is something that I practice on a regular. Um, and the thing I love about it from Stoicism, because you, you really hear it from every philosophy or religion of like, hey, just embrace what happens to you. It's okay. But Amor Fati, you know, that Amor part is really important. It's it's truly loving your fate. It's like being happy about it. It's like sitting there and saying, I am so glad this happened because it was meant for me. Um, and, and sometimes, and it's like, uh, the, there's a same statement that I read about, I was reading about Amor Fati. It's like switching your mindset from life is happening to you to life is happening for you. Uh, and it's something that is becoming, that is that is for the benefit of you. You know, there's nothing that happens to you that's not for the benefit of you. And if you have that mindset, it allows you, I think the most important thing that that early experience of breaking my ankles and feeling like my dreams were shattered, even though I still got to play basketball at Florida State, but that moment when I sat there and then being able to quickly say, okay, this happened, now what are you going to do? And move on has been instrumental to my life. Bad things are going to happen. It's like, okay, let's react. Let's be sad about it. Let's cry, whatever it may be. But then you got to do something next. Um, and you can sit there and wallow forever for years and you know, I could have never graduated college. I could have went back home and did all kinds of other things. But I was like, no, let's let's still do this. You know, you can still do this. And it's just embracing what happens and then continue going. I really like that. I think that that's an important thing to think about. And I, like I said, oftentimes when someone looks at you from just the outside, it's like, oh, look at what a charmed life AJ's led. <laughs> right. He's gone through, you know, and I really think it, I love like just kind of look under the surface of like, what did it take to get there? Like, what's the foundation that you built? And the challenges that you had to overcome. And I kind of am starting to see why with this next question, I want to ask you, like, you know, you are a LinkedIn top voice uh, about mental health. Um, and so if you think about your attitude toward mental health, you know, 10 years ago versus today, like how has that changed? And um, what have you done to kind of embrace that? Yeah, I think 10 years ago I was, like I think most men, especially and most people in the military, just kind of brute forcing it. You know, I was like, oh, you're sad, you get through it, or you're mad, get through it. And I didn't really like address my feelings. I didn't think that I had to, especially in the military, you know, it's all about physical health. It's all about getting that 300 PT score, uh, being the best in your battalion at whatever. And you don't really think about the mental aspect of it unless you deploy. And then when you come back and you have, you know, your mandatory therapy um, about things. And today I realize and I know that mental health is the most important thing in my life. Uh, not meditating throws me into a spiral. Not reading throws me into a spiral. Not taking time for myself. I, I know I need that time for myself and my body has kind of become so used to my mindfulness practices that I need it. Um, and if you would have told me that 10 years ago, I'd have been like, you're crazy. Why am I meditating? I don't know how to meditate. What do you even do? 
Um, but a, a big part of, you know, me being a LinkedIn top voice and then doing all that stuff with mental health, it came out of me realizing that I didn't start taking my mental health seriously until I became a founder of a company. And I didn't want people to do that. I don't want people to have to found a company to take their mental health serious. And I was like, I, I want to talk to more people about this, especially men, because we don't talk about this. Uh, we don't have these conversations regularly about how we're feeling and we don't embrace being sad. You know, it's okay to be sad sometimes. Um, that's a natural human emotion. So I, I really wanted, it was all about me realizing like, all right, my mental health is, it needs to be top of mind. And, and everything that I read, I was like, man, I, other people need to know this. Other people need to know this. And I would talk to my friends and my brother, et cetera. And I'm like, I just got to be brave enough to go out here and talk about this stuff because people need it. Um, yeah. And the positive reinforcement I got with messages all the time, I guess, like, hey, really appreciate you talking about mental health. Um, I, you know, struggling with X, Y, and Z, and I just been scared to say it, but you, you know, you're a voice for people like me who are not out there. And I, that's what it's all about to me. It's just about making sure people know that it's okay to not be okay. Um, and, and regardless, like you said, how you look at me and how my resume looks, how my LinkedIn looks, all these things, like I go through the same stuff, you know, I, I've been depressed. I have anxiety. I, I get sad. I get frustrated, all of the things that happen. Um, and I have to continually work on my mental health to be healthy. Um, it's similar to your physical health. You can't just sit on the couch and eat fast food and assume you're going to be able to run a half marathon. You, you're going to have to train for that. You're going to have to eat healthy, maybe change your diet a little bit. Um, and, and that's how I feel about mental health. It's something that you should work at daily. And, um, it's, it's definitely evolved, uh, and it's evolving today. You know, I would say two years ago, uh, I was very, you know, just getting started on my mental health journey compared to now I can name how I feel. I can understand how I feel. I can, I know the routines that get me out of ruts. I have all of these skills now that I'm, I'm hoping that I can continue to share with others so they can build the same thing. I think uh, if you're not already following AJ on LinkedIn, we're going to, put his uh, LinkedIn URL in the show notes so you can go out and follow him. Um, I think it you'll get a lot of value from what he posts. You, you told me once, you're like, sometimes I'm just talking to myself. I'm just I'm just writing a message to myself when I write on LinkedIn, right? Yeah. And I think that's like, like you said, it's just about being willing to be the one to step up and say, okay, we have to talk about this, right? So, yep. yeah. And I think that's, you know, like sometimes that's what launches things I and mean, that's what launched this show is i'm like i have to give people a platform to tell these stories so nobody else is gonna do it i guess i'll have to and i think that's kind of what led to your linkedin journey isn't it absolutely yeah and and i like you said i often am talking to myself i read something and i'm like wow i do that i never a good example is rumination um i was reading about rumination it's this thing that happens in anxiety where you're constantly looking back over events and saying why did this happen or how then you're playing it back and you're just going through all these scenarios and I used to ruminate on everything, but I had no way to name it. I didn't know what I was doing. I thought it was just natural. And then when I finally learned about it, it's like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been doing forever. So I started sharing about it. People were like, wow, I didn't even know that's what it's called, but I do that all the time. And like, it's oftentimes me finding information in my meditation studies or meditating. I think of something and I'm just like, I want to tell others about this because this was impactful for me um, personally. And I tell people all the time, like the reason why I have advocate for mental health is because I've struggled with mental health. It's not because I'm perfect and figured it all out, but it's because I've been there and I know what it's like to be at your lowest. And I knew what I did to get out of it. And I'm hoping I can, you know, help other people do the same. I think that that's the important thing is like being willing to be open and say, Hey, I struggled too. And here's what helped me. And maybe it'll help you too. Right. So yeah. you mentioned that it was your, when you founded your company, that that's when you really had to get serious about it because it's a lot of pressure, obviously a lot of stress and pressure. Like you founded and then had to close bite check. Yep. 
Um, and so had some meteoric success. And like to talk about what you learned from being the founder of a startup company um, that did have that crazy growth that you had. Yeah, it was um, it was crazy. <laughs> it was insane. <laughs> like I uh, every day. I mean, from the beginning when I started the company at the start of the pandemic, you know, there's so much unknown. There's so much uh, you don't know how it's going to work out. You don't know how the next day is going to go. And you know, doing that for three and years and some change. It's a roller coaster journey. Um, as a startup founder, you can have the best and worst day of your life on the same day, <laughs> <laughs> and and those emotions can happen again the next day. So it was an emotional journey, um, but it was a transformational journey for me personally. You know, I I learned so much. I became more mature. I I went through a lot. You know, hard times, good times, had the highest of highs, lowest of lows. Um, but the thing I'm most proud of about that journey is the, the people um, that I had a chance to build with, the people that I, in lives I had a chance to impact, uh, which is what it was all about for me from the beginning, uh, was just how can I create something that can impact others, can allow others to to grow their careers, but do it in a manner where we're not killing ourselves, like we're taking care of our mental health. We had a four-day work week. Um, we, we, we used to practice mental health together as a team, like all the things that I loved, that I thought about, it would be cool if a company did, I did. And I, I'm the type of person that I would do not like, I do not live with regrets. Um, Will Smith did a, uh, I can't think of the name now, the speech at graduation, commencement speech. Um, and he said, on your deathbed, you're going to have all these ghosts of your regrets around your deathbed. And they're going to say, why didn't you do me? Why didn't you choose me? Why didn't you choose me? I don't want any ghosts on my deathbed. And it was something that uh, bit me around 2018, around I knew I wanted to start a company, wanted to do something. I didn't quite know what I wanted to do yet. And then when it came time to do it, it I laid out the pros and cons. And the only reason not to do it was fear of it not working. Um, and that fear ultimately came true at the end of Bite Check, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Again, it's just like breaking my ankles. Like I'm very glad for all those ups and downs. I'm very glad for everything that I learned. I feel like I got an MBA over the last three years, uh, and I never want to look at a financial spreadsheet again. Uh, but um, it was transformational experience. You know, I uh, I really enjoyed it, but it's hard. I, I don't want to um, overhype being a founder. Uh, a lot of I think a lot of I think a lot of people look at starting your own company and they're like, oh, that would be so cool. You get the autonomy. You don't have to work for anyone. But like, no, you're working for your employees. You're working for your customers. If you get investors, you're working for your investors. You're working for your family. Um, you know, it's a it's a lot. It's not just this freedom. You get to do whatever you want. Uh, my team had a four day work week. I did not. <laughs> I yeah. worked seven days a week uh, for three years straight with no break. Um, so it's it's intense. Um, but again, it was transformational for me. I wouldn't, I, despite the the outcome, um, despite the windy road that it took, all the ups and downs. I I would do it again the same exact way. I wouldn't start a company again. But if I went back in time. I would do the same thing again. I, I think I'm out of the founder game. <laughs> <laughs> You're done with that. Yeah. But it, I think it, like you said, you can look back and see how that experience led to where you are today. Because I don't, I don't know that you would be in the position that you're in today if you hadn't been through that experience, correct? Correct. 100%. There's no, there was no path for my career to be in a partner at a top 20 CPA firm. I'm not a CPA. Uh, I, um, didn't major in business at all. Uh, and uh, being a partner usually takes a long time um, to become partners at CPA firms. There's people that have been probably working at CPA firms longer than I've been in the workforce that are still trying to become partners. And because of what I did, because of that sacrifice, because of me jumping out into the deep end with no safety net, um, 
it led me here. So, you know, and, and, and even the process of how we got here led me here. So I, again, it's just another one of those things where in the moment it does not feel good. Uh, but if you keep reminding yourself, Hey, this is for a reason. This is something just keep going, push through this moment and whatever comes out at the other end, you're going to be very, you know, happy with. It's just, you, you got to really sit there and again, more fatigue, say, all right, this is, this is it. Let's go. Let's let's just keep doing it. This is happening for me and life's happening for me. And let's go. I think I needed for some reason I needed to talk to you today. We'll talk about why later, but I needed to hear your message. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that. Um, you know, even um, I we've had one of your employees has been on the show multiple times. Jonathan Fisher. He's he yeah. was on. Uh, he came on to ask questions. He came on for our anniversary show. And then he came on and um, talked about kind of his transition of, you know, like, having to go through that, the closure and how he navigated that process. And um, so he started in your company as a SkillBridge intern. Yep. And so we've talked about SkillBridge from the employee perspective, but we haven't really talked to anyone that's ever hired a SkillBridge intern. So you had several interns. So can you tell me about the SkillBridge program from like the employer's perspective? Yeah, I think it's the greatest thing ever. I don't know how it's real. Um, but from an employer perspective, like I saw the opportunity where I can get service members um, who are transitioning out. And I have a ton of respect for service members, obviously, because I was one and I understand the leadership and things that it takes. And they can come work for a civilian company, uh, my company, for six months for free, uh, where I'm legally not allowed to pay them. Um, but they get experience. Um, they get the experience to learn what they want to do in their future, um, get experience to get exposed to the civilian world. And most importantly, what I told Jonathan when I interviewed him, it's like, hey, if you get this job, the number one thing I want you to get out of this experience is time with your family and a stress-free um, transition from the service. Because if you're still on base, even if you're transitioning out or still on post, you're going to get that random call from a commander. You're going to have to go do staff duty. You're going to have to go do something dumb that they're going to just say, hey, that guy's getting out, make him do it. Um you don't get the time to actually sit down and think about what it means for you to leave the military and spend that time with your family, have those days and really start to lean into that civilian life. Um, and I wish I would have participated in the SkillBridge program. And I wish I would have known about it. So when I first heard about it, um, when I first started the company, I was like, we're going to do this. Uh, and then I had a, a knack for wanting to hire NCOs uh, because my dad is a non-commissioned officer. And, I j and I, I, I'm so grateful for all the non-commissioned officers I worked with in the Army because they taught me everything. <laughs> and they helped me. So I was like, if I get a team with NCOs around me, we're going to be unstoppable. We'll, we'll be fine. We'll be able to do whatever. Um, and it was great. You know, I, I, that was a big um, aspect of, of running the company was I loved the fact that we were able to give back to vets, um, give them some experience. I wish I could have brought on more. Uh, but Jonathan is one of the ones that was, was a great story, you know, going from working in aviation for 20 years and then being very good at being a compliance professional. And now it looks like he's going to have a very long career in this field, um, and continue to do all the things that he wants to do with his family. So, um, it's, it's, it's a great program. I encourage anybody that's in, um, a, in a role where you can hire people, think about SkillBridge. Um, it's a way that you can essentially try out a potential employee for six months. Um, it was a no brainer. After those six months, we were like, Jonathan, we want you here. Like, yeah, we need you to be here because you're so valuable to our team. So you get to see, you know, their value and then you get to help them. You, you get to give back to veterans um, and it doesn't cost you anything. Like I know everybody in the employment side, they care about, especially nowadays, everybody cares about uh, money and their bottom line. Like it doesn't cost you anything. You can bring a lot of resources in 
uh, help them transition and then potentially get a very valuable employee that can contribute to the growth of your company. Yeah, I think that uh, it's it really, like you said, it's a no brainer. It's such a valuable way. It's so valuable to the em- the employee, the transitioning service member, but also to the employer, you know, and I think it allows employers who maybe they do have some, for some strange reason, trepidation about hiring a, a military service member. You, you're going to see in that six months or six weeks or however long you do that skill bridge internship that you're you're going to hire veterans <laughs> once right. you have that that process. So um, I think it's you're right. If you have that opportunity to bring that program into your organization, you absolutely should. Yeah. And it's funny. It's not that well marketed <laughs> by the government. Not at all. And I, I, that's the thing I think I hate the most for service members, because uh, if I knew about DOD Skillbridge, I would have done it. Um, and, you know, maybe I would have learned something different. We would have started, you know, who knows what would have happened. But yeah. it's such a great program. Um, and I, th- I wish it was like on billboards outside of outside of military <laughs> installations so that all the service members know about it. And I really wish more and more companies participated. I think that's the way that will get more folks coming out to do it is if big companies step up and say, we're going to do DOD Skillbridge. We're committing to bring it on X amount a year. And then people just continue to follow because now, you know, we can get to a point, we know the numbers of how many service members transition out each year. Why not have that many or two times that amount available DOD Skillbridge positions? Right. Uh, so that we give every single person that's getting out an opportunity to get off to a head start, you know, get a little bit of a boost for the sacrifice they made serving their country. Love it. From your lips to, uh, you know, the government's ears, let's hope, right? right? So, <laughs> we're working. Everybody's working on it. I know there's some pe- big people out there working on it. So, um, so you know, we talked about it earlier, right? We talked about some of the challenges you face, like breaking both of your ankles, which I'm going to have to say, how do you do that? <laughs> land wrong, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, land um, wrong a couple times. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's all about jumping and, you know, dunking. Yeah. Are you, were you a... I don't know how tall you are. It's hard to tell, but like, I'm were only, you? I'm, I'm only six. I'm six one. Um, okay. I used to be able to to jump pretty high. Not anymore. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, no more. No more of that. Obviously, you can still run because you're able to commission and meet all the PT requirements. So that's yeah. good. But no jumping. No more basketball playing. Right. Right. <laughs> so lo- broke your ankles. Lost your basketball scholarship. You know. Obviously, we talked about having to close the doors at bite check. Like lots of things. Right. So. This is not a punch AJ in the face moment. I just want to talk about like, because you're still smiling. And um, I think that's the best part. Um, So how, how do you make it through those challenges? What has that taught you? Yeah, it's taught me um, perspective. Um, Even when you're going through your lowest moments, there's something around in your life that you probably were wishing for five, six years ago. Uh, And if you just kind of have that perspective and and also zooming out, um, I, I think, a lot of times when you're going through something, you're thinking about it very narrowly, right? You're thinking about it like in this moment, this is the worst thing that has ever happened to me. And then if you zoom out, you're like, okay. I was like, when I was going through all this, I was like, AJ, you're 34 years old. Chances are, bike check was not going to be your last job. <laughs> you're <laughs> going to have to do something else at some point. And if you zoom out, you know, you're well qualified. Uh, your Your kids are happy and healthy. You're able to keep a roof over your head. Like it's not as bad as it seems. Um, and, and I think also it's, a it's, it's having a support system. You know, I, I, I cried a lot during that time. 
I talked to a lot of people. I was going to therapy very often. Um, and, and this is another benefit of veterans. Like, please use the VA, go to therapy. Um, you can go whenever it's free and, and, and they'll see you and they can, they understand the military aspects, civilian aspect. It's great. Um, but I think if I didn't, um, talk about how I felt during that time, uh, the outcome would have been a way different. Um, if I would have just held it all in, but, you know, spending time talking to my brothers, my friends, uh, my wife, and, and just being able to say, like, I'm very sad about this. Um, it, it sucks because I'm thinking about my employees or I'm thinking about my investors or customers, whoever it may be. I'm thinking about the sacrifice I made over three years. And and, and now that, you know, it's all gone. Uh, it, it was tough. It was very tough. And I'm not going to say that I was smiling. I'm smiling now, but I wasn't smiling in the middle of it. I, I, I think it's the lowest that I've ever been was after that happened. But the way I was able to pull myself out was just getting back to the basics. Um, it's funny that sometimes when you go through things mentally, you stop doing everything that works. <laughs> you stop meditating, you stop working out, you stop eating healthy, you stop going to sleep early, like all the things that were working great for you to keep your mental health up when things were going well, you just forget all of them and stop doing it. Uh, and I was like, all right, AJ, like, let's go back to the basics. And, and the beach is my happy place. So I was trying to frequent the beach as regularly as possible. Uh, meditation, doing yoga, spending time outside, uh, just really, you know, I got into uh, indoor plants, as you can see behind me. It <laughs> looked really great. <laughs> yeah, I found my green thumb. Um, but I, I'm, I'm a big nature person. I love being in nature. I love doing stuff with my hands. So I, I got away from the computer. You know, I got away from just staring, doom scrolling on LinkedIn or Twitter, whatever it may be, and just focus focused on being present in the moment. That's, I, I think, my ability to, even when I get stressed or uh, out of whack today, what I do immediately is say, come to this moment. You know, what's happening right now? Is there anything happening right now? No, nothing's happening right now. You can take a deep breath and everything's going to be fine. And it's like this balance of staying present, but also understanding that this next year of your life is one year out of a big, huge, long chapter, a book. Uh, it's not the end of the world. If, if somebody would have told me when I got out of the military, I was going to be a, or when I joined the military, that I, one day I was going to be a cybersecurity consultant doing audits, SOC 2 audits. I'd be like, what's SOC 2? Uh, and then they're like, you're going to be a cybersecurity software company founder. I'm like, what? I don't code. What, how would I do that? <laughs> and then I'm going to be a partner in a CPA firm. Like, that's crazy. I'm going to be a social media influencer. Like, no, I don't like social media. Like all of the things that are happening in my life 10 years ago, I would have said, you're crazy that these things are happening now. Um, and that's what you have to remember when you're going through the bad stuff is there's a high likelihood five, 10 years from now, this is going to be a small blip on the radar. This is going to be something that is, is impactful for you from a growth perspective. And you start to shift your mindset of this is the worst thing that ever happened to me to how can I use this to grow? How can I use this to appreciate things more? Um, I think sometimes you go through things because you're not appreciating. You don't have the gratitude for the things that are going well. Um, and you're putting too much importance. And I and I think for me, I went all in on Bycheck. Um, you know, I went all in on starting that company, building it, put my whole life savings into it, messed a lot of time away from my my seven-year-old and five-year-old son, or seven-year-old son's five-year-old daughter. Uh, and it was a big sacrifice. So that was a lot of what I was sitting in was like, you did all of that for what? You did all of that for what? Why did you go through all of that for nothing to come out? And it was like, it was for the growth. It was the journey. It's always the journey. And I'll give another example of this. This year, I've been training for a half marathon. I was supposed to run a half marathon this past weekend in San Diego. I was going back home, going to run it in front of my whole family. Uh, two out of the last three weeks, I was sick, very, very sick. Um, so it mess, obviously messed up my training. And then the week of the mar half marathon, I was super sick as well and just couldn't 
uh, couldn't muster up any energy. I barely was walking around and eating, let alone being able to run 13.1 miles. And at first I was a little upset. Um, but then I remembered when I was running, um, oftentimes I would use like Nike Run Club, but they always talk about it's the journey. Uh, it's not about the, the race. Race day is the is is not the end. Race day is the culmination of everything that you did. And I was very proud of the days I ran when I didn't feel like it, when my legs hurt. And it's when you sit back and think about remove yourself from the outcomes and just say it's the journey, it's the process that I'm um, that I'm that that is the win. That's the benefit. It's showing up and doing stuff regularly. That's the benefit. Not the outcome you can't control. Unfortunately, I. I personally feel like I did a lot of things right with bite check and I operated with high character and I did everything to put good into the world, but it didn't work out. That's that happens. You know, that's, that's nothing to do with me. We, this is, this is like one of the worst times in the economy right now. It was the worst time to raise venture capital. It's terrible to raise venture capital as a black founder too. There's a lot of factors that were against me. Cool. But I know now looking back, it was my journey. It was the it was the process. It was that day when I was so excited of getting my domain address or setting up stuff in AWS. Whatever the little things are, those were the moments that I'll remember forever. Uh, and and when I'm when I was going through it, that's what got me out of it. It was like, hey, that journey was amazing. You accomplished some amazing things. You did some amazing things. Yes, it didn't end the way you wanted to, but ninety percent of startups fail. Why do you think you're you're better than that ninety percent? And I actually was reading this book. It's called um, Think Like a Monk, and it talks about ego in this book. And he says, uh, ego, the biggest sign of ego is that um, when you something bad happens uh, and you're so sad and frustrated, you're like, how could this happen to me? And it's like, what do you mean? How could this happen to you? You're a human. You're natural. You're, 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 you make mistakes. Bad things happen. Like you think that you're so great that these type of things can't happen to you. And when I, I sat in that a lot and I would meditate on that. It was like, why is my ego telling me that I was the greatest founder ever and this wasn't going to happen? It's like, no, 90% of startups fail. This is a thing. Uh, it's a thing that happens and you're, you'll be fine. You'll, you'll get through it. And that's what pushed me through. It's just really perspective, staying present, um, and going back to the basics. Whatever I tell people all the time, find your beach. For me, it's my actual beach. For some people it's doing yoga. Some people it's sewing. Some people it's doing plants, whatever it may be, find that and do it regularly. Do the things that make you feel good about yourself and your life. I think we have to end there. Like we can't possibly end on a better message than that. I, I just, I really I told you last time we talked, I'm like, I just need a weekly AJ check-in. <laughs> so I'm just going to have to, since I can't do that, I'm going to have to just listen to this episode on repeat. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for being open and sharing your journey and, and talking about what you went through and, and just being here to inspire others. Absolutely. I appreciate it. And like you said, any vets that are um, on LinkedIn, follow me, reach out. I, I love to give back and help. I have a lot more time on my hands now than I did as a founder. So um, happy. I'm doing a lot more mentoring again. So happy to do it. And, and thank you for all you're doing as well. This is a really important thing. I know this podcast has helped a lot of people. Thank you, AJ. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast. If you learned just one lesson today that you believe can help you in your military transition, then I've done my job. Please don't keep this podcast a secret. Share it with as many of your active duty service member friends and transitioning veterans who may be struggling with that process as possible. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and join our YouTube channel so you don't miss any lessons that we share.